Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. All right, hey, take your Bibles uh, this morning and turn to the Gospel of John. We're doing a study, just working our way through the Gospel of John. And uh, we're at John chapter 12 this morning. Now, John chapter 12 starts the beginning of the last week of Jesus. Okay, John has 21 chapters, so this is kind of unusual about the Gospel of John. Uh, About the next nine chapters, or 40% of the Gospel of John, have to do with the last week of Jesus' life. Okay, so he spends a lot of time... You know, in this in this last week, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, work through that. But just just know, even though we're in John twelve, we are in the latter part of of the gospels. The other writers they take four to six chapters at the end of their book to tell the story of the last week of Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection. John takes much more time there. So let's start at John uh, John chapter twelve in verse uh, one. Six days before the Passover, when Jesus had come to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus raised from the dead, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining with him at the table. So, we talked last week about Lazarus' resurrection, okay? This is probably a different visit, probably, you know, I don't know how long, but it doesn't seem to indicate that this was a, a meal right, you know, right after that happened. So it was probably another visit. We know it is a few days before uh, Passover, and they're at Martha's house, so it's kind of, you know, everybody's starting to come to Jerusalem for Passover, so this is kind of... You know, uh, Passover was a a very solemn spiritual event. So this is like the celebration, you know, before the Passover. Kind of a a tailgate, all right, get into football mode. This is kind of celebratory. Everybody's coming to, to Martha's house. And, you know, when Jesus came to people's house, he got the best meal. He got the best meal. There was no stale nachos and salsa out. He got the good stuff. Now, I got a a picture of kind of what a Mediterranean meal may look like. So this is kind of, you know, uh, they would have bread. They would have fish, maybe some lamb, olives, dates, fruits, honey, grains, different kinds of grains, lentil, olive oil, figs pistachios, palm granites, those, those kind of things. I mean, this was farm to table, you know, before it was, it was popular. And Mary and Martha, you know, were the ones to host these kind of dinners, all right, especially Martha, all right. So we see this isn't the first meal that they've hosted for Jesus. If you'll remember before They hosted one, and remember Martha went and told on Mary, hey, I need some help in the kitchen. Look what she's doing, all right? So Martha kind of had this gift of hospitality, 
You know, like, like for her, having people over, fixing a meal, that brought just life to her. She enjoyed that. You got like anybody in your household that's like that, you know? I live with one of those, okay? We love having people over. I love having people over until one day before everybody's coming over. And the vision for this dinner is being revealed and all of the orders are being given out of what we need everyone to do to pull this meal off. We had some people over last week, and I mean, she was cracking the whip, okay? I'm telling you. you know, but, but you know what my assignment was? I need two bags of ice, okay? I'm the ice guy. You know, I'm like... I do events for a living. That's what I do. I'm, I'm good at this stuff. I have a college degree. I'm, I'm ice. That's all. That's all I was qualified to do. So I get in the car. I go get two bags of ice. And I got a candy bar just to make me feel better about myself, you know, since I wasn't included in the planning. So anybody, this was Martha. You got people like that in your family when it's, when it's time to, to have somebody over, they love that moment. So all the food is ready, the house is clean, candles are going, the guests are arriving, they are talking and visiting and everyone, you know, is laughing, they're enjoying this celebration because this meal was in Jesus' honor and Jesus Jesus is there. Man, it is the beginning of a great night, just like Martha had thought in her mind. And we don't know what was going on in Mary's heart at the moment. But maybe she excuses herself and goes to another part of the house or to another room. And she comes back with this jar of oil. And in the midst of this great dinner, she kneels, she breaks this jar of oil, which was very valuable, okay? It was called nard. It was very expensive. Now, men, we don't have like any idea how to you know, equate, you know, expensive like perfumes or whatever. I mean, if you're using Old Spice and Aqua Velva, I'll never be able to help you to understand, you know, kind of the value of this. And, and this is so expensive that she probably kept it hidden back in the household because it was very valuable. And, and, and here's what the scripture says in verse 3. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. <clears throat> and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. So, man, they're having this great dinner party, and then all, all of a sudden, whatever, whatever got in her heart and her mind at the moment, Man, she comes in, she, she breaks that little canister, she begins to worship Jesus and pour this over his feet, wash his feet with her hair. And man, everyone stops. All the hilarity, all the, 
you know, all the, you know, the, the, the visiting, the conversation just stops in a moment and everybody begins to, to look and, and watch what, you know, this, this unusual but beautiful expression of worship. There's no music. There's no worship team. There's no encouragement to worship because this is flowing out of her heart. Sometimes I think we're too dependent on music, worship teams, the encouragement to worship, to kind of push us into worship. That, that I just think sometimes we're too dependent on that. She did not have that crutch at all. This was flowing out of her heart in the midst of this dinner party. <clears throat> so what can we learn about worship from this story? What can we see in this particular passage? There was humility. She kneels at Jesus' feet. Kneeling in humility is a, you know, is a, is a self-acknowledgement of the person or the office of a person. And, and especially when, when, when we come before God, there should be this, this reverence and this humility in our own heart, you know, that we are humans and that He is God and that we are in the presence of God and there, there just should be this humility. There's way too much pride in humanity today. You know, we just feel like sometimes we are co-equal with God in some way. We're just right up, right up there with, right up there with Him. He, he mentions this in the book of Job when he just reminds in a ridiculing way, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you would know. Who stretched out the measuring line across it? Where were you when its footings were set? Who laid the cornerstone? James says, he opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So here, here she is. Listen, this isn't, you know, this isn't what Jesus asked her to do. She comes and kneels in, in humility and brokenness before the Lord. So there was humility. There was extravagance. She had this very expensive oil, this perfume, and there was no holding back. This wasn't a tithe, you know, like I'm going to do this a little bit at a time. This was a, an extravagant moment of worship. There was nothing minimal about this at all. This is sacrificial, not, you know, not requested from the Lord. This is coming. This extravagant, this extravagant worship is just coming you know, from, from her heart. She, she was not required to do this at all. Sometimes we just want to give a little, you know, but here's a moment she said, you got everything that I have. I'm holding, I'm holding nothing back. No consideration of the cost. And it says she used so much that the house was filled with the presence of this, of this perfume, this expensive, 
this expensive perfume, nothing was held back. So there was humility. There was extravagance that was given. There was emotion. She begins to cry when you read this in Mark and Matthew. She begins, she, she kneels, but she begins to cry. And her tears are on his feet with this ointment. And then, you know, like, you know, like they always kind of washed people's feet. I mean, that was kind of a, a you know, a standard thing in, in Mediterranean life. And, you know, there was a, a pan and a, and a towel, but she is, she's taking her hair. Man, this was emotional. She's taking her, her hair when she does this and drying off his feet because, let me just tell you, man, when there are great happenings in our life, there, it usually is followed with great emotion. And man, there, there she is. She didn't care. She's crying. She's broken with remembrance of the Lord. And I just want to say something. Not not every worship experience is emotional like this. Man, there are different kinds of, of emotion that we experience when we worship. Sometimes we are clapping our hands, raising our hands. Sometimes there's this joyful shout or there's a song that we're singing. And man, it is just flowing out of your heart. Sometimes we are jumping, we are moving, we are dancing sometimes. We are weeping. Sometimes there's a holy silence. I mean, when you just can't say anything, you are just in God's presence and there's just this holy hush, you know, in your life. So not every worship experience is like what we see with Mary. But I just want to say, when we get to the point when there is no emotion connected with our worship. I mean, we're just emotionless. And we need to do some look down in our heart, all right? Sometimes, you know, Jesus said, you worship me, but your heart is far from me. How is that? You know, because there can be a, a sense of distance that comes in our relationship with God. And then when we just sing, it's a song, but it's not worship, you know, or, man, there's sin in our life and it begins to separate and do its, its work in our life. And we're just singing a song, but there's not, there's not worship. We're not feeling anything in the moment. Or this fading remembrance of Jesus on the cross, even as a believer. And when we sing, it doesn't move our heart anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't touch us and we're just kind of, you know, going through the ritual and routine. Not everything is about emotion when it comes to worship, but let me just tell you, if you can sit through worship service after worship service and your heart's not moved at some moment, man, you need to go back and check some things in your own life. There was humility. She knelt without being asked. It was just a, 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 a humble moment in her heart. There was extravagance. She gave all that she had. There was emotion. She wept. She wiped his feet with tears. She was feeling, she was feeling this moment. There was intimacy. Now, she's in a public gathering. I mean, she's at a dinner. She's at a dinner. <clears throat> but yet in the midst when others are watching, she's having this very private, transparent, in vulnerable moment with Jesus, okay? 
There was intimacy. She wasn't distracted by what was going on around her. I mean, she was focused on this moment with her Lord. Can I just tell you today that we, we get too worried about image, what our worship's going to look like, what somebody might think, how will that affect our brand, you know? She didn't care about that in that moment. Here she is weeping, kneeling, wiping Jesus' feet with her hair, and she, didn't, she wasn't concerned about others because this was about her and her Lord. She was open. She was transparent. She was vulnerable. And she's pouring her heart out to God in this very personal moment, even though others are watching. Okay? So not every intimate moment with Jesus will just be you and Him alone. Sometimes it will be in church. Sometimes you'll be somewhere, somewhere else and you just sense God's presence. And I just want to just tell you, it doesn't matter what other people think about you. It doesn't matter how many likes or follows or friends you get. Man, when that moment is there, you worship Jesus, you get into that moment. And, and what other people think, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It was an intimate moment that she was having. She did not care what others thought or what others perceived about her. It was her and her Lord. There was humility. There was extravagance. There was emotion. There was intimacy. There was spontaneity. How did this start? In the middle of a dinner. In the middle of a great dinner. People are laughing. They are having a great time. And for whatever reason, Mary began to feel it. <laughs> Isn't that great? You know, people are breaking bread. They're telling stories. Lazarus is over there. But at some point in that dinner, Mary's heart was just moved. And she had this very spontaneous moment, this very unplanned moment. Can I, can I tell you, can I, can I just tell you, not everything that God does in your life will be planned and be on your calendar, okay? I, are you open to spontaneous moments in Jesus' presence? Are you open to spontaneous moments in Jesus' presence? Like, I'm a planner. I'm a calendar person. I just live my life you know, I just live my life that way, and I believe that God can move with planning and timing. I, you know, look at creation. He's not a God of disorder and, and all of that. But I'm just telling you, there are unusual times that God says, scrap the calendar. This is about me and you. Mary, I know you're at a dinner. This is a moment. This is a moment. Would you stop what you're doing for a moment of worship? Does everything in your life have to be scheduled and planned? And listen, I, I think when it comes to our devotional time, I've, I've told you, find a place, find a time. I, I believe that. <clears throat> but there are times that the Lord goes, hey, I, I, I got something else. I, I, I need you. And I, I need you right now. I need you right now. Just, 
in the middle of this dinner, this worship experience, this, this God just wants to spend some time with her. And I tell you, last year, I, man, I just had one of those. I was, I was, I have a little place that I go work out, a little home gym. I went over there, and, and part of that was, man, I was just stressed. We were in the middle of a pandemic, and I was just feeling, I didn't go over there to pray, but I was just feeling the weight and the heaviness of life, my family, the, the sickness of our world, this virus, and I just, I went because they say when you're stressed, you need to, to work out, and I went over there, and I went to my gym, and man, I just, I just had... I just had some music on, which I, I normally do. You know, you get a little Maverick City going. Man, you're, you can work out. You know, you got God's presence on you. You're lifting all kinds of weight and the strength of the Lord. And, you know, I, but that was a moment where I went over there to work out. And I wound up with a moment of worship. You know, it was unplanned. You know, I, did, I didn't even go over there to pray. Went over there to do something else. But the Lord said, hey, I just need some time. I just need some time. Man, I just, I just stopped what I was doing. Man, I just began to worship God. And I just want to tell you something. Man, I had this wonderful worship experience where I just felt like God just strengthened my heart. I felt like when I came out of that old, smelly, musty workout area, I mean, I just felt like I was a new person when I came out. So I want to tell you something. Always be sensitive to those spontaneous moments. That little nudge when the Lord said, hey, I just need some time. Mary's trying to execute a dinner with her sister, but the Lord said, not now, not now. I need, I need some time from you. So what can we learn? There was humility, there was extravagance, there was emotion, there was intimacy, there was spontaneity. Look at this. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth about a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So let's... Look at one fact from this first. This, this perfume was almost the value of a year's wage. So let me ask you a question. How much money do you make in a year? Don't shout it out, even though I would love for you to shout it out. I know for some of you... That'd be difficult to compute with all your income streams and your dividends and all of that. But what generally, what do you make over the course of the year? Would you spend that on a worship experience? She gave almost a year's wages in exchange for this moment. I just want you to see that and catch Sometimes we don't get the monetary exchange of perfume versus cash. I want you to really capture what she's doing. So we have this amazing scene. People are standing and watching. God's presence is there. The, 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 the place is filled with perfume. 
people have stopped. And Judas interrupts this moment with a really unusual question about why, can't, why didn't we take this money, you know, and give it to the poor, okay? He stops, interrupts this moment to ask this question, okay? So what can we learn from, from this moment and his response? Sometimes a critical spirit comes from a decaying heart, okay? A critical spirit comes from a decaying heart. You ever seen people like that? Man, when it comes to Christians or the church, man, they're, they're always speaking something negative, always something down, always some criticism of the church, always some criticism of, of, of people that go to church, what they're doing for God. But sometimes that only, you know, masks the decaying heart that they are dealing with, that, that critical spirit. This transparent display of love for Jesus made Judas uncomfortable and blinded him to his own hypocrisy. So here he is with this great moment of worship. Here he is a disciple. He should have been moving her over so that he could kneel and worship. You know, this is where... This is where he should have been, but instead of, of this display of transparent worship and love, instead of it moving him in that same direction, now he becomes indignant and displays contempt for this moment. To him, the perfume was a monetary commodity that could be exchanged for an act of service. He did not have the basic understanding of what was happening in this moment. He had no appreciation of what God valued. You know, sometimes, you know, like, like, like what he was doing, he was trying to make some moral equivalence out of servanthood and, you know, and worship and all the time, it was just masking just some, some really deep and dark things in his own life. He said it, you know, because I, I said it's, it's masking his own hypocrisy. Because remember, Judas is a thief. He wanted this money in the bag. Why? Because he's got his hand in the bag. So he's, he's casting dispersions on this act of worship, but at the same time it's masking the hypocrisy of his own heart so that he could have stolen. But he doesn't see that. Because sometimes you become blind to that. And I want to say too, this might have been a breaking point with Judas. Listen, you never know when God is speaking and moving to you, especially if you're kind of distant, kind of away from the Lord, when that might be a breaking point for you. If you remember in the story, he sees this, he sees this incident here, and he doesn't respond in worship. His heart becomes hard, and the next day he goes and betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. It was almost like a breaking point for him. Maybe it was God giving one last opportunity for, for him to bow his knee to Christ but yet he hardened his own heart. And instead of, you know, kind of appreciating and entering into this moment, he hardened his own heart, and the very next day he betrays Jesus. 
All right? All right. I want to remind you of something. Service for Jesus is never a substitute for times in Jesus' presence. Every one of you that work and serve, I want to thank you. I want to thank you when you come early. I want to thank you for the sacrifice of everything that you do for the function of this church. But I want to remind you of something. Your service is no substitute for a heart that's yielded to God in pure worship. Because some people get that way. Like Judas. What, what is this? Man, we need to put this money into street hope. This is what we need, this is what we need to do. And, and sometimes we, we think that just our service is a sign of our salvation. I'm just telling you, if that's all you got, it's like a Cain offering. Remember what Cain did? Hey, here's a few vegetables. Here's my worship. And the Lord said, that's not what I asked for. Okay? All right? If that's all you got is servanthood and serving, you're falling short here. Part of the life and the component of a believer is true worship and dedication to God. And out of that comes servanthood and service, not the other way around. Judas said, we don't need this. Man, let's just go serve. And he couldn't have been more wrong. Verse 7. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Judas, shh, stop. Stop. Now, get what she's doing. She's got this ointment, and she's anointing him for his burial, okay? That's what you did. When, when people died, you saw it at Jesus' resurrection. They came and put spices. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, they put spices. This is how you honored the body. So she is anointing him for his death and his burial, okay? I mean, it's just kind of hard to put ourselves in that place. We don't have like a like a modern-day equivalent of that. I mean, unless I said, hey, I'm going to give you a gallon of embalming oil, you know, or embalming fluid. You know, I mean, I don't, that, that's kind of what she's, she's, she's in this mode of, you know, of, of his death and his burial. For whatever reason, even though she's been in the shadow of a great miracle, her focus is his death and his resurrection and his sacrifice. She's already been through a few weeks ago standing at the cave when Lazarus came forth. Wow. She's already, she's already been there, you know. But, but here she's anointing him. Like people anointed in the Old Testament like for kings, you know, like, like uh, uh, for kings and, you know, that, that kind of thing. But she's anointing him. As the sacrificial lamb, okay? She's, she's there. Worship is moving on from thanksgiving and intercession with our total focus on who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross, okay? All right, all right. So there's nothing wrong with being thankful. 
There's nothing wrong with intercession and praying for things and praying, praying for others. But let me tell you, there's, there's something even greater than that. And that is when your total focus becomes on the person of Jesus, what he did for us on the cross, his, his sacrifice that he made for us, the new life that he has given us. Man, that's when we enter into true worship there. Deep from your soul, intimate communion with Jesus, not half-hearted, just honoring him for his sacrifice on the cross. All right? So the there's nothing wrong with thanksgiving. There's nothing wrong with intercession. But sometimes we stop just right there. We, 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 only, we only pray and worship to the extent that, you know, that it affects our lives. But she's not there. If anybody should have had a thanksgiving moment, it should have, it should have been Mary. But she's moved on from that miracle and she is focused on Christ as our Savior and our Redeemer and our, and our sacrificial lamb. That's where she's at. Look at verse 9. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there. Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on the account of him, many of the Jews were going over to, to Jesus and believing in him. So, man, Martha's dinner is just going all, all crazy. You got a worship experience happening. You got people showing up, you know, wanting to, wanting to see Lazarus. I mean, Lazarus is there. I mean, let me just say, if I lived in Bethany, I'd be going to see Lazarus. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, I'd be there. Lazarus is enjoying the moment. He's got his 30 for 30. Lazarus was sick, you know. People are talking to him. I mean, you know, he's, he's giving interviews. You know, people are asking him questions. Yeah, you know, like, I was in heaven with the Lord, but I just felt like I could do better for humanity coming back here. And you know how people kind of insert themselves into, into things. He's enjoying this moment. People are coming crashing this dinner party because they wanted to wanted to meet Jesus and but they also wanted to see the miracle of Lazarus as well. And it says many were coming over because of what happened in Lazarus' life. Can I just say something to some of you? Sometimes if you see or hear of a miracle, God can be trying to say something to you. Okay, that's why it's called a sign or a wonder. Okay, a sign in the Bible, it's a sign or a wonder. So sometimes it's a sign when you see things that have no logical explanation. Sometimes God is trying to let you know that there are things that are happening in this world that are beyond physical and natural law that only God can do. And he does certain things at certain times so that some of you will look up and go, hey, wow, God may, God is real. God is there. God is trying to speak to me. And that is what is happening to these folks. Lazarus had been sick for a long time. Worship team, you can come. Lazarus had been sick for a long time, so the whole community knew it. And then he died, and he was dead for four days. People came to the funeral. 
People came to the funeral, and now they're looking at this, and they knew it was a miracle. And now many are coming to Christ, and I just want to say, man, if there's something supernatural, if there's something miraculous that's happened in your life that you don't really know how to explain, that there's no mathematical equation for, sometimes God is trying to get your attention. He's trying to get your attention. Man, there were Jews that came there. They're trying to kill Lazarus. <laughs> would you feel self-confident if you were Lazarus? I would. I'd be going, come on, bring me, give me your best shot. Give it, give it a try. I've already been there before. They're trying to kill Lazarus. They're trying to, wow, wow. Let me tell you, and here are these Jewish people. As your heart becomes hard towards God, you open yourself up to greater evil and actions, your actions become worse. It's kind of a spiraling. Here are these Jewish people that started with just questions about the Lord, and, and all of a sudden, man, they're trying to kill people. Listen to me. Because when you harden your heart against God, when there's revelation, when God speaks to you, when you feel God's presence, when you feel God's drawing to come to Him and you continue to kind of harden your heart, then your mind becomes less open to God. Your actions become worse. You, you go places and you do things that you never thought that you would do when you harden your heart. They got this miracle. They got a Lazarus miracle in front of them, which is part of the reason, I think, why he's in the grave for four days so no one can go. Man, that was a fraud. They got an absolute miracle in their life. And instead of them going, that's a sign from God about the person of Jesus, they hardened their hearts, and it became much darker, okay? So this morning, we're going to, we're just going to do some worship this morning, okay? This morning, we're going to take this story right here, and we're just going to, we're going to do some worship today, okay? That's really all our, our altar time is. I'm going to give you the opportunity for a merry moment, whatever that means to you. We're not going to pray for the sick. Nothing wrong with doing that. We're not going to give thanks for miracles. We're going to get in the spirit of Mary this morning who could have been thankful for a miracle the rest of her life, but she's now aware for whatever reason of Jesus' sacrificial death and in the middle of a dinner party, she chooses this opportunity for this moment. And Jesus said... About this moment. When the gospel story is told around the world, people will hear about what she's done today. Okay? So I want you, whatever that means to you, okay? If you want to come to the altar, if you want to kneel, if you want to weep, if you want to just be silent, it doesn't matter. But right now, right now, we want to have a merry moment that we focus solely on Jesus and his sacrifice. Would you stand this morning? The worship team is just, that's really all we're going to do this morning.
worship team's going to play. And you have your merry moment this morning. Just what, however that moves you. Humility, extravagance, emotion, intimacy, and spontaneity. Lord, we come before you this morning. Our lives get so distracted sometimes that we really forget sometimes that we need to be at the feet of Jesus. In our pressure for all kinds of intercessions, Lord, we forget that some of the best things that we do is when we acknowledge you as Savior and Lord. And Lord, we come as a congregation this morning honoring the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Before we sing just across this place, can we just worship him for a moment? Can we just give some focus, focused attention to Jesus, our Savior, the cross, his sacrifice. She was anointing him for his death. Can we just have that that focus? Lord, we worship you. We worship you this morning, Lord. We worship you this morning, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.